0: Hello, and welcome to Local Legacies, the show where we go behind the scenes with enterprising individuals who are striving for the best in their business, family, community, and themselves. I'm your host, Tim Lanza, and without further ado, here's this week's guest. Welcome back, everyone. Today in the studio, we've got Gregory Day of Gregory's Carpentry. Um, very excited to have you here. We've had a couple of conversations leading up to this, so I think you know we're going to have a lot to talk about. Why don't you start out? Tell a little bit about yourself, and, you know, your business, and we can get going on your story.
1: Well, I started this uh, this journey back when I was probably, uh, I'll say, eight or nine years old. Uh, I was in a neighborhood, and they were building houses, and we um, had a scrap pile of wood, and we used to take the scrap pile of wood and bring it back to the house, and then start building forts. Of course, I didn't realize that, you know, later on that. Everybody in the neighborhood would be coming over the house and trying to help out building these forts. Um, then all of a sudden, one day, um, my dad asked me if I could give him a hand around the house and uh, just started working my way with my father. And um, of course, I knew he was in the construction business and I wasn't sure. And in the summer months, when school, you know, we had a school vacation in the summer, we would take and my father would take my brothers and myself to the job, and another we would pick up or sweep up the floors or whatever, make a pile of wood, then we'd bring the wood home, and then I would build stuff from that. Um, but over a period of time, I realized that, you know, I like the smell of wood. I like the smell of cut wood, and um, my dad said, maybe one of these days you'll be the carpenter of the family. And, of course, back then I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking about doing something other different. So after a while... Um, I was probably around 10, or 11 years old. Uh, my grandfather kind of seemed, you know, I I liked to work hard, and, and I worked alongside of him too, my grandfather and father, and uh, we were doing a remodeling job, a remodeling a kitchen, and I remember my grandfather saying, "Hold the cabinet in place so I can, you know, screw it into place," and I just remember him smiling at me, and I I really adored and looked at my grandfather as a as a an idol. And at that time, I, I sort of I felt like I was going to be more uh, a handy guy than a carpenter. And my grandfather would stop and explain things to me how the cabinet would go together and how the kitchen was put together. So that was my first experience. I was probably 12, 13 at the time. And during those times, you know, I, I just I would go to school. I play sports, but at the end of the day, if I was bored, I would go outside and I would help my dad. So over a period of time, he knew that I was more interested in his trade than my other brothers. I have two other brothers, a younger and an older brother, that are suit and tie guys that go to work. Um, I didn't mind wearing jeans and work boots and going to work. So my, my dad, one day, uh, I remember taking me to a job. It was on a Saturday afternoon, and um, he was talking to the customer. He was estimating the job, and I was, I was watching him how he was estimating, and I really wanted to learn that part of the business, so he said, just pay attention listen to what she has to say, and what I have to say back and forth, and then all of a sudden uh, my dad just jumped in the truck and we're driving away, and he said, what do you think, and you know, I was probably fourteen, fifteen at the time, I said, I didn't really say a whole lot, I just said, I have an idea roughly, he says, how much? And I wrote down a piece of paper, I gave it to him, he goes, you're very close. So I knew I had a little bit of talent in that area, because I knew kind of what it would take for the time, and he explained to me what labor rate was, <clears throat> so I understood that. Um, and then of course came into high school and I went into trade school and I had a chance to either be in a uh, machine shop, carpentry, auto body, and I think it was drafting at the time. So I looked at the carpentry exploratory program that they had and I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to do it full-time in school and back then the trade school was new to me so again Uh, being around friends that were, you know, I made a lot of friends that way, through the carpentry shop. And then all of a sudden I started looking at machine shop. I said, gee, you know, that's a nice job too. You're inside. And I like math. I always did well in math. So I always thought that, you know, that would be one of my trades. And then um, I stuck it out for about probably about three years my junior year. And I was in a machine shop at that time. And I just felt that I was going nowhere. I really didn't like school. Um, and I said, this was time for me to move on. So I asked my dad if I could quit school and he was pretty upset with me. Um, he said, what are you gonna do? I said, well, start my own business. He said, you're crazy. You, you know, it, it takes years. And he said, you gotta finish school first. And I said, dad, if, I, if you let me quit, I'll get my GED and I promise you I will. And um, from there, I went and got my GED. And actually, I would have, you know, pretty much at that time, would have been a senior. And I got my GED, and off to work I went. Um, I picked up a few odd jobs here and there. I worked for a different couple different contractors. I went to work for my dad for about two years. I bounced back and forth because I didn't know whether or not I wanted to stay working with my dad or start my own business. <clears throat> so there was a test coming up for contractors' licenses, and um, I was a little s- uh, skeptic about that because. The test was hard, for one thing, I didn't do good in school, but I said, you know, what are are the odds, if I do pass it, what I can do with that license? So I studied for it, I studied for about, pretty close to a year, about nine months, and I took the test and I passed it. I remember going to Boston, driving to Boston, and it was probably about 300 people in this auditorium, and I remember there was a state cop walking up and down the aisles trying to catch people cheating and um i wasn't about to cheat because i I had studied real hard for this and i was really serious this is my one shot i'm going to get a chance to really do something with my life so i took the test uh it took about three weeks to find the results and finally i got the results and i had passed that test um i'll never forget that day because i felt like i've accomplished something i've never accomplished before i had quit school i felt i was failing in life in general I said, this is the one start I'm gonna get. So um, I bought an old, uh, an old car, it was a Mazda hatchback, and um, I, had a, I had to make a, a sort of a makeshift wood rack for the top of it, and I don't think the car was really meant to do that, but um, I put it all together, and I put my tools in the back of the hatchback, and I remember one day going to the lumber yard, at the time it was Weber web lumber, and putting the lever on top of the roof, and then driving to the job. And as I hit a pothole, <laughs> I just remember the rack kind of caving in the roof of the car. So um, I knew that was not exactly going to be the best um, work vehicle. So I went to the bank, and back in those days, back in the 80s, um, I didn't have no credit. I established no type of credit whatsoever. And back in those days, it was called a carrot loan. And I walked in, and I saw this lady work, working behind the desk, and I said, you know, how do I get a loan? And she says, well, what are you looking for? I said, well, looking to buy a secondhand truck. And she said, well, how much do you need? I said, about $2,000. <clears> well, um, and I said, fill out the application. She said, no problem. I filled it out, gave it back to her. Um, she said, "We'll get a hold of you in about a week. Well, at that time, I was pretty nervous because I thought, God, Now I'm gonna have, you know, if I get this loan, I gotta pay it and I gotta make sure that, you know, these people get paid back. And also starting my own business, thinking of overhead and things like that, I wouldn't, you know, I'd have to be very careful about spending money. So um, I got the loan, I walked in, uh, the lady congratulated, it was my first actual loan I ever got was $2,000. And um, I stepped back and I just, I, I was almost in tears. I was like, wow, you know, I got my builder's license Now I get my first loan, I'm ready to go. So I got my first couple of jobs, I didn't know how to advertise, I asked around and back then we didn't have the internet. So I made up a flyer, I would drive around with my secondhand truck and deliver these flyers in people's doors and I kept going around and around and around. My my father called me one day and said, how's business and I said, well it's a little tough. He goes, I told you so." so. I said, well, I know that, but I said, give me a chance, and, you know, maybe, you know, things will turn out. He said, you looking for work? I said, yeah. He says, well, I got something for you. So I went to this customer's house. My dad was there, and he said, we got a porch to build. So I helped him out. I got paid okay. I mean, I didn't really make a lot of money, but it was the experience with my dad doing the trade and being with him and just learning, you know, the basic skills of carpentry. Um, More or less a self-taught carpenter. I loved the trade from the very beginning, because there was something about it. I don't know what drew me to it, but other than my father and my grandfather doing for a living, it was just something about it. I knew I had a passion for it. So I went to the bookstore, I bought more books, I wanted to learn how to read a framing square, which is, uh, if you actually really look at a true framing square, there are some incredible measurements on this that it's geometry, basically. And you have to learn roof pitches, stairs, and things like that. So I learned a lot. I, I literally would stay home and study this until I knew it inside and out. And I remember doing my first stairs, and it actually came out right. I was pretty impressed with myself at that time. But um, And as time went on, I, I, I wasn't sure if this was going to work. Um, I had probably about two years in the business. And my dad asked me a question. He goes, you know, uh. You can do better at this, he said, but you got to expand a little. you got to hire people. And, you know, there's, there's more to it than just working by yourself. And, and you you got to spread the wings a little. So I called my brother, Matt, and I asked him, I said, what are you doing right now? i got to tear down a porch. You want to help me? Well, we went to Fitchburg, and it's this three-story porch, and the guy said, you know, I'll pay you to tear it down, put it in a dumpster, and haul it off. Well, I didn't get a building permit because I didn't think he needed one. The building inspector came up in this uh, small red Ford Temple, I'll never forget it. He gets out of the car and he starts yelling at me. So I was like, what did I do wrong? He said, you didn't get a demolition permit. So of course I had my builder's license, so I went down to City Hall, Fitchburg City Hall, and I remember getting my license and my brother's kind of laughing, he goes, you're not going to make it, I can tell. So I said, okay, fine. So I got the permit, went back to the job site, posted the permit um, tore down the porch, got that done, got paid well for it, and, um, I just kept going, and just advertising in the newspaper, asking for advice of my dad, but the thing is, when I asked for advice, it would be, you know, only so much, and he wouldn't really open up to me, so a lot of times I, you know, I would be skeptical about asking them about a certain thing and how it, you know, to do this or do that. I have to learn this on my own. So I came more independent that way. I just said, if I'm gonna do this, I gotta read more and I gotta ask more questions. If it's not my dad, it's gonna be someone else. So I started hanging around with a couple of contractors and some of them had really bad habits. And uh, so I tried to stay away from them as much as I could. And uh, I was probably into the business for about 10 years at the time. Um, and i remember the recession coming and all of a sudden just nothing nothing came about i was scared because i was paying rent i met a new girl had two children and um i just said i don't even know how i'm going to do this but i'm going to try it and see how far i go with it and then um i wasn't getting the phone calls i said well i'll advertise i advertised i was getting no results so literally, it was in the time it was near Christmas, and I knew this was just, I was having a hard time paying rent, paying any of my bills, and the bills were piling up. So, and I owed creditors money, and I was sort of like embarrassed because I'm like, there's no work, I have no money, I can barely pay rent. And I thought about my girlfriend at the time and her two kids, and I said, you know, the best thing I can do is try to help them out as much as I could. Um, Went door to door in the wintertime, knocking on people's doors, uh, leaving my business cards saying, you know, I'm I'm looking for work. If you have anything, let me know. That wasn't too successful. Um, And I just remember falling into really a bad disrepair. Um, I went up to my dad and I said, "'Dad, I don't think I can do this anymore.'" And I almost had 10 years in the business. He said, hang in there. He gave me some money, you know, enough to feed myself and my, at the time, my girlfriend and her two kids. And um, I just remember the hardship that whole year. Everything I did seemed to go wrong. And then one day my dad called me, he goes, you know, he says, I know you're in debt because I'm getting the phone calls now. And I says, dad, I don't know what to do. He says, well, I'm not gonna su- I'm gonna suggest it, but I'm not gonna advise it. He says, you gotta think about ch- doing a chapter seven. And I says, oh my God, I mean, I have to, Literally start from scratch again.
0: Can you just, for people listening, explain a little bit like what that is and what that would look well, like? Well,
1: Chapter Seven is basically a total liquidation of everything of what you own. They allow you to have, I think, about two thousand dollars back then of your own personal belongings. And that would be a vehicle, maybe some personal items. Um, and at that time, it was sort of like a, um, it was a letdown on myself. I felt like I couldn't support my girlfriend or her two children and myself, and. I just, I knew I had to hire a lawyer and I didn't have the money so my dad gave me the money for that and I remember it cost me $600 and I remember the day I was called in the course in Fitchburg, a matter of fact, at the time they were doing bankruptcies. Uh, Cynthia Jackman was the attorney's name and uh, I walked in, I remember sitting down and I was nervous because I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, the attorney got up and listed all the creditors. And, of course, any of the creditors that were, you know, wanted their money, they would show up in court and they would demand their money. Well, none of them showed up, so they pretty much went ahead and did the Chapter 7, total liquidation. Um, I didn't have much at that time, and I told the judge, I said, look, at, you know, the only thing I really have right now is an apartment, a vehicle. And uh, I, knew he, I knew he felt bad for me. I knew I could just tell by just looking at him. But it was my my fault, and I had to take responsibility for it.
0: Do you think, when you're saying it's your fault, I mean, you know, you kind of led that off by saying the recession was coming. Do you blame yourself, or do you think it was a mix of both?
1: Probably a mix of both, because the recession back then, those type of recessions back then, um, it was like uh, the people that were established were going to survive. The ones that weren't established were going to sink. And a lot of us did. I knew a lot of people had bankrupt. Um, I just, I, I didn't want to do it. It was a pride thing. And, and I felt like, God, here I am, you know, almost 10 years in business. And I felt like I've learned nothing. So the bankruptcy was pretty tough. Um, it, it did set me back a few years. But then I realized, I said, you know, I learned from that, you know, not to overspend or, Put so many things on a credit card, or everything on a, on a vendor's uh, credit. So, I went back and I went to school. I was up in Fitchburg as a free program to learn how to do business with your business and basically do a business plan. And that was about a six-month program. And I I remember telling the lady about my bankruptcy, and she said, "You're not the only one, Greg. You know, you, there's thousands of people out there that are in the same boat as you." And that's why we have this program, to help you get back on your feet. I was so grateful for that. That was something that was, um, it was just a beautiful experience. And I still have the, the notes and the books to this day. Um, there was another gentleman, too, I used to, when I, my dad would leave the paper to read, it was, it was called The Laws of Success. His name was John Alexandroff. I'll never forget this man because he inspired me to try harder but not only try harder but understand what the failures are in your business and in life and and I remember cutting out the article and I still have those articles to this day and sometimes I go back and reflect on them because those were things that gave me what I needed in my life the things that I was missing to get my back on my feet and had the business successful again so um, by going through the course reading about the laws of success I knew I had it in me and I had to find a way to go back and build my business back up. It was the most challenging thing and I can remember it was a point in time when I had to sell my, some of my tools just to feed my family. And I'll never forget that because I said I will never for the rest of my life ever have to look back and say, you know, this is this is a learning experience, but it was a hardship at the same time. and. Um, I think it built a lot of character to me. It, it definitely toughened me up, I can tell you that. Um, I learned how to save money real quickly. I remember seeing a financial advisor and walking in. There was another free coupon and in the paper. And I remember walking in, and he's sitting there, and I walked in, and uh, he says, sit down, young man. He said, what are you here for? I said, well, there's a free consultation about financing. And I said, I don't know much about it. He said, I'm going to tell you this, and I want you to never forget this. He says, there's two types of people in the world, Greg. Uh, those who spend and save and those who will save and spend. He said, you have to learn how to save and then spend. And he was right. I was the other way around. I was spending and then trying to save. You can't do both. Um, that was a learning curve for me right away. Um,
0: what do you think the difference was between the guy who quit school in the 11th grade and the guy who's buying books, studying nine months to, take, to get your builder's license, going to these free courses?
1: Well, It changes you. It does, I mean, when you've lost everything and you feel like you've let yourself down and the people that you love down, and that's, that's a challenge within itself. It's, it was one of the most humiliating experiences that I've ever experienced in my life. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, I find it to be, you know, uh, sort of educational in a sense, but in other words, when you try to do better in your life, you knew you, your mistakes from the past. And you didn't want to bring them up again unless, you know, there are things in your life you have to realize that you have to go through to get to where you need to be. And um, that person, you know, looking back in school and saying, I wish I had taken courses in business. Absolutely. Um, I wish, but I I can't change that. It's gone. It's in the past. Uh, But it's an experience. I can say that much. And like I said, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So, but... um, Now, as I was starting to build back up again, um, it took forever to get my credit back. Years went by, and I just thought, God, I'll never be able to get my credit back to where it was in the beginning. And I remember someone telling me, uh, there was a friend of mine that owned a a business, and he said, Greg, he says, you know, it's easier than you think it is. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you just, you have to just realize where you were before and where you are now do the same thing now that you're doing and staying afloat and paying your bills, just trying to get back on track. And I said, well, my bankruptcy, you know, I, I don't have any credit. He said, it takes seven years, but he says, I'll bet you can do it in five. And it was probably, I was probably about a year shy. And I remember um, all of a sudden I'm getting letters from the Internal Revenue. And I got a little scared with that because I'm like, how did this all come about? Well, they had traced back, I guess, years and years ago, that I had owed some monies. I didn't realize I owed it to them, and the penalties and interest exceeded the the principal of, of the amount that I owed. And I'm like, my God, not not this again. <clears throat> so I called them up, and I was honest with them. I said, look, it, I, I'm just starting to get back my credit. I said, once I get caught up, I says, I promise you, I'll. she said, send anything, and I did. I sent $20 a week. Sometimes it would be more than that. But I got good with the government that was probably one of the best things I could have done for myself. i um, established, re-establishing myself. Um, this time I was a hell of a lot more careful with my monies. Um, I was very careful, just everything I was doing, I was watching every dime I was doing. The thing is, when I bought a used vehicle again, this time the used truck that I had had broken down and I asked my dad for a loan and he says i'll loan it to you he says as long as you promise me that you pay me back and he loaned me the money lo and behold i was able to pay him back and all of a sudden i was seeing myself in a different light i I realized that i had something i was getting it back i didn't know what it was at the time but whether it was i was respecting myself more or just understanding myself and my failures and um I just remember taking the truck, the first truck I really had that felt like a work truck, and I could put wood in it without worrying about the roof collapsing. Um, and as I was driving down the road, I just felt like, my God, this is this is happening, all but in, in a good way and in a better way. So at the time, I met a lady, uh, been married to my wife for about thirty years now, and and uh, she was inspirational too. She kind of, um, she was very patient with me. She understood my past with business and um, we fell very much in love i went to the registry of deeds to get some uh, paperwork on a job we were building an addition, and i met her there but uh, during that time of course i had a lot going on i was trying to build my business up and also build a different relationship with someone that i had been with prior to her uh, for 10 years and that relationship didn't go anywhere Um, but it it was just part of my life you know Um, but in, as time went on, um, I noticed that I was gaining back you know, uh, customers, my bank account looked a lot healthier than it did back then, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm noticing that I'm doing well. And I said, well, I need to go back to school. So I took a Dale Carnegie course, which absolutely inspired me not only to do better, but to give to have a, a healthy balance in your life and I was missing a lot of parts of my life because that balance was family it has to be family first and you know business is important but family is too so I probably didn't have that really right in the beginning it was always business and family um and my wife taught me that and which was a very important lesson that I learned and as time went on I asked you know the um I went to a bank, and I opened up a, a business account, and, and, of course, I had to show them that I had a bankruptcy on my record, and she said, no, well, you know, we could still open up a, a business, but what do you want to name your business, and I said, I wasn't sure what my name or my business wanted to be, and I said, you know, what about my first name, Gregory's Carpentry, so um, she looked at me, and she said, okay, that's fine, and I went to see my accountant and i said you know do i need to do anything else with my name she says well you got to have a, an ein number so next thing you know i got an ein number and she said you should be either incorporated or an llc and i said well i'll leave that up to you and she said no llc is the best way to go right now so i was starting my business back up again i had a better truck this time around um, i had good customer base it was slow but it came back slowly, and, it, and a lot of them were repeat customers. I was surprised that uh, after the recession, it was about a five-year um, slowdown period where people were just getting back on their feet, and um, bankruptcies were everywhere. It was just incredible. Businesses were going out of business because of bankruptcies. Um, <clears throat> but I still remembered, it was kind of ironic, I, I was looking at my bank account, and I said, you know, I, I can afford to do a lot more now than I ever could. So I sat down one night and I said, you know, and I, and I had bankrupt on all these, these vendors. And I said to myself, I owe it to them, but I owe it to myself to pay them back. So my secretary at the time was Cindy, I just hired her. She had worked for me for a couple of months and uh, I told Cindy to write out some checks to these vendors. And she said, well, they're not in your vendor account. And I said, well, there's an old debt here I want you to pay and, out of my account. And she said, why would you want to do that? I said, because I borrowed the money, I promised to pay it back, and I had a bankrupt. And she said, she kind of looked at me and she says, well, you know, that's, that's unusual. But she says, oh, you know, you pay me to do what I need to do. So she wrote out a check and I said, you know, write this one out too while you're at it and I got to think and I went back on my bankruptcy and I went through every vendor and I said I want them all paid off. And as time went on over the years, I started paying everybody off and all of a sudden, here I am, you know, 40 years later looking back and saying thank God I did that and it, and I felt good about doing it. I didn't have to do it, but I wanted to do it. I felt like it was it was a necessity. It was part of my life back in the, you know, when I first started. Uh, these people trusted me that I was going to pay him back, and I felt like I owed him back. You know, I owed him to pay back that money, and I did. And um, it was funny because my dad, I had told him that story. And he said, you know, that builds character. That builds character. He says, you're a good guy. And I just remember my I almost had tears in my eyes, and my father wasn't a very emotional guy and a lot of compliments, but that's one thing. He just He said, you're a good guy for doing that. And, um, so as I paid all these debts off, I kept realizing, and, you know, I had a few to more extra dollars in there. I take myself and my girl, well, at the time, my wife, um, on a small vacation, which we did, and we enjoyed, uh, each company, company, and, uh, we sort of, we weren't sure what we wanted to do next is to buy a home. And, uh, my grandmother, um, thank God for her, um. It was my mother's mother. She had um, she had passed away, and, and of course, I absolutely adored her. Um, and she left me some money in a will, and which I didn't even know that she had done that. She hadn't done it for my other two brothers, but she did it for me. And my mother told me later on that I was so-called her favorite. Well, that was you know I had nothing to do with that, so I said whatever. So we took those monies and we actually put a pretty large sum of it down for a down payment on a house. Um, I was pretty scared about doing it because I've never had that kind of money before. And I was always thinking my past with bankruptcies and stuff, but paying back my creditors, it gave me a little bit of you know, encouragement to stay on track. Um, and then all of a sudden I noticed I, I needed more licensing. So I went out and I studied for the tests, I passed them. I'm licensed in seven areas in construction. Um, the seven areas are, you know, part of pretty much from um, lead removal all the way, and lead removal is part of my, you know, remodeling business. So I needed that license, and then when I got a moderate risk, my co- my contractors of course, my license, and um, there are other um, federal and state licenses I have to maintain. But again. That's part of the responsibility of having a business is, is to have the right credentials. And of course, getting insurances, workman's comp, and liability, um, the cost of, of, of being in business today is just phenomenal. Going back to when I first started to what it is today, it's just so much more money. And I can't imagine someone actually starting a business today without having. A large amount of money to work with um, I had nothing I lost it all got it back but again it was a matter of how long it took me to get back on track uh, 40 years later um, I'm able to maintain my home and drive a pretty decent truck better than that the hatchback they had in the beginning so um, I'm glad I took the right route there were times in my business career I um, that I, I struggled You know, there were recessions after the 80s. There was one in the 90s. There was one recently in 2007. And now, of course, you know, the COVID recession uh, hit a lot of people hard. And it's ironic that I remember a lot of my business friends were calling me saying, you know, what are you gonna do? You know, the government's, you know, letting you borrow X amount of dollars. And I said to myself, nope, I'm not gonna do it. And uh, I had to shut my business down for six weeks and I had enough money put away to pay my bills. Um, I didn't. I was eligible to borrow a lot of money from my bank, and I just said, nope, I don't want to do it. Because I knew that it could gain a, you know, they said at one point in time you, you can borrow it, but you don't have to pay it back. And I'm like, no, if I'm going to borrow it, I'm going to pay it back, but I don't really need to borrow it. So I felt, you know, that was a test. That was my test, you know. It was easy. My bank called me and said, you know, you're eligible for this amount of money. And I'm like, I'm all set, but we had to shut down for six weeks. Um, There was times when I said, you know, the the guys are just starting businesses now, they're going to, it's going to be a hard road ahead of them. You know, I've established, you know, I've gone through a lot, but I also established, uh, you know, uh, enough in my business to uh, be able to survive a hit like this. So I had to lay a lot of people off, which was, you know, that's part of the business. Um, I helped them out as well, you know, even during the layoff. But um, today I look back and 40 years later, I'm still standing up. Um, I've had a few incidents, a few accidents on jobs that um, one I did about 10 years ago, I fell 22 feet. And to this day, I believe My faith has a lot to do with this. Um, I was working on a job and I was up on a second story and I was building a second floor porch on a house. And I remember nailing off a plank and I thought there were nails in a nail gun and there wasn't. So as I jumped up onto the plank, it collapsed. And I fell basically two stories. And I landed on my feet with no injuries, other than probably, you know, some uh, lacerations, smaller ones, bruises on my legs. But other than that, I was able to stand up and realize that I could have just died. Um, That was a wake-up call for me. I said, God, uh, I never thought 22 feet, because I went up and I measured it afterwards. Uh, The customer came outside, you know, he wanted to call an ambulance, I said, I'm fine. And he couldn't believe it, because he literally saw me fall from the second floor. And he said, I've never seen anybody go so quick in my life. And and ironically, um, when I hit the ground, I just remember thinking, how did I get here? And the rafter I had in my hand, I was looking for it. Well, it had hit the ground so hard that it bounced over in the neighbor's yard over the shrubs. Um, I was lucky that I'm here to even talk about it, stand up straight and, you know, talk and walk. I was very, very lucky, um... I just remember the lady next door, it was probably about six months after the, uh, the accident, I happened to see her in uh, Cumberland Farms, and she said, oh, you're the one that was working over next door. I said, yeah. And she said, you know, she said, I heard you fell. And she says, Greg, I've been praying for you every single day, even when before you had fallen. And I said, really? She says, every day. And I knew her husband. He was a retired electrician. And I asked him, I says, you know, your wife was telling me. She goes, yeah, she did pray for you every day. And I was like, wow. Um, That made me realize how strong faith can be sometimes. Um, I should have easily have died in this accident, easily. Um, So I called my priest up. I started going back to church slowly. And um, that kind of gave me more of a... Uh, a better look at my, li- my life and what people around me and, and and how I'm running businesses and how I'm, you know, my success and where I am today. And, you know, there's, there's a plan there somewhere. And I felt that the plan that was put in place for me, you know, there had to have been some failures out there. And um, I felt, you know, there was more, there was more to this story. And um, I pulled the priest aside. I just said, you know, I don't know where to start. And he said, just come to church on Sunday, so I started doing that, and I uh, met a lot of nice people, a lot of business people too, as well. Um, I was very happy to, uh, and it's a very, uh, it's close by my house. It's Saint Leo's Church, and um, <clears throat> after a while, I got to know the priest pretty, you know, pretty good. And he said, you know, how you doing? I said, good. I, you know, I just it's changing my life, but I don't know, you know, is it changing it within myself? Am I doing the right things? So um, I sat down with him after church one day, and he says, uh, "He says, how's your family? And, of course, you know, you always tell him everybody's doing fine. And, and um, I got to know this priest pretty pretty good, um, Monsignor Dorn was his name. And um, I remember they were renovating the church, and um, I got to know Monsignor pretty good. I worked on his house a few times and uh, they were renovating the inside of the church putting new uh, pews up and i remember going back to the church one afternoon i saw them pulling all the old pews out and i stopped by and i says hey do you mind if i take a few of them and the guy says yeah have as many as you want and i said well I'll, I'll take two so i brought them to a friend of mine that owned the wood shop and i said could you cut them down to five foot in width sort of like a regular Sort of a park bench, but, you know, they're big, heavy wood oak benches. And um, I remember bringing it to this old-timer, and he says, Oh, I can fix them up for you. And both of them? I said, Yep. And he said, Well, what's this one going for? I said, You don't need two, do you? I said, No. I said, I'm going to give one away to Monsignor Dorn. And um, I just remember getting it all fixed up, all refinished. I brought it down to his house One day I called him. I said, Monsignor, I'm come down to see you. And... Um, I dropped off the bench at his house. Of course, I pulled on his yard. He came outside, he goes, what's that? And I said, well, that's St. Leo's bench. And he goes, really? He said, you know, it's strange you should mention that. He says, my sister asked me to take a bench home. And here I am having one refinished and giving it to him as a retirement gift because he had retired that year. So um, that really felt you know, I, I felt like I was paying him back for all the beautiful things he, uh, he's done for me in my life. And um, I really got close to him. I mean, there were times when I was having family issues. I would, I'd call him up, and he would give me the advice I thought that was necessary to, you know, make the right decision, and uh, it's just like a business. You know, you you got to have the, you know, you have to have a leader, and he is my leader in faith, you know. Um, and in time... You know, I, I got to read up on it a little bit more about Fatima, and I didn't—I knew I had seen it on TV a couple of times, and I said, I, you know, I need to learn more about it. So I actually bought a book um, It talks about Fatima in Portugal, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And I had gone to a religious shop in Worcester, and uh, there was this lady that I used to go down and see once in a while just to get some advice and she said take this book home and read it so i took it home i read it and it's the Fatima apparitions and i didn't know exactly how this was all come about but back in 1917 Fatima uh, the Blessed Mary came Fatima Portugal to these three shepherd girls and it's a beautiful beautiful story and so it's a very well known story Um, and as i was reading the book there were apparitions that happened Later on, it happened for about a year, and all these beautiful things happened. I said, what a, just a beautiful story. And I wasn't much of a book reader, so I started reading more about the religion, um, and then I really got hooked on it. I just felt that that was part of my, it has to be part of my life. I have to make it part of my life. And I know there's a reason why I didn't die on that fall, you know, and the lady praying for me next door. and. You know, just certain things that have happened in my life that I can't say that are coincidences. There, there's something that is beautiful about this, and and I know it exists. I, as a kid growing up, I, of course, would at times drive fast on a car, and one of my cars that I owned was like the second car I owned. It was a, a Pontiac Ventura, and I was going down Pleasant Street in Leamington, and uh, it was. It was rainy that night, I was going too fast, and I knew I was going too fast. And my brother Chris, he just got out of the Navy on leave. And uh, all of a sudden, I lost control of the car. I hit this telephone pole that almost split the car in half. Um, And I remember the cops coming, and I'll never forget the cops saying to me, he goes, where's the guy driving? I said, you're looking at him. He says, no, it can't be you. I said, sir, it is, I I kid you not. He goes, that person is dead. And I said, no, you're looking at him. And my brother's like telling the cop, he said, yeah, my brother's driving. So the cop started walking around, he didn't see no blood, but he thought that person, that person has died behind that wheel. And I I kept arguing. So finally he looked up on my visor, which my whole car was literally almost wrapped around the pole and my visor had hung out my window, and there was a Saint Christopher's medal. And he looked at me, and he goes, "That's what saved your life." I never forgot that. So there are things in my life I have to say that are not coincidences. They're, they're just things that, um, that I know that exist in my life, and you know, it's given me strength through the times of bad, good, and bad times.
0: So, you know, over time, it seems like obviously multiple things happened that now looking back, you attribute to your faith or to some something or greater power looking over you and keeping you around you know I guess now that you're living your life where you're at now wh- what what is the reason? like what do you what do you think you're put here to do as far as the way you interact with other people you know the way you're a member of your family of your community, where do you think your role is?
1: Well, for one thing is giving back to the community, I found it was it's, it's, it's extremely important. Um, the people are less fortunate than ourselves. Um, I have been on the side of the less fortunate, and I've been on the side of the fortunate. And um, I've been in both paths, from having nothing to something. And to give back today, whether it's community, um, with the city, I was with the City Conservation Commission for 10 years. Um, I it was great learning experience, but also got to know a lot of great people, and it was free education for me, you know, giving back that way. Um, the advisory committee for the uh, uh Trade School, being on that, helping, guiding younger people like myself at that time to make sure that they don't quit school and choose the road that I took. Um but to have um, a really clear um, direction of a, of a person myself and I and I look at myself as am I a good example or am I a bad example you know I had both I had a bad example and I've had good examples and I know today that when I see somebody making the mistakes I've made I try to stop and say you know I've been there I've done it and a lot of times I look back and say you know is there something I could tell this person to give them a better understanding of what he or she may be doing wrong? Um, it's it's just one of those things that you, when you find it, when you feel it in your heart, you know you know you're in the right place at the right time. I guess it is really it's very hard to explain. It's just you feel it inside. There's something inside you that tells you you're in the right place at the right time. And you know there are there are people out there that. Um, they don't see that. And those are the ones I feel bad for. You know, they they try to succeed and they fail. And you have to fail in order to succeed. That's one of the that's one of the things in life that a lot of people don't understand. You have to fail in order to succeed. Um, and it's okay to fail. You know, a lot of people. You know, back when I failed in bankruptcy, um, I knew I failed myself. You know, um, but I knew that I could do better in my life but to share that with people and to have faith as a part of that, um, to have the patience to sit down with people and explain to them, this is the do's and don'ts. Um, And to have, or to give back in a way, whether it may not be something physical, it may be just a good talk, you know? Um, I love giving back, I always have. My mother always used to say, if anybody's a giver, it's you, Greg. Um, And I love to help people always have um there's nothing wrong with that i mean sometimes you know people feel that if they give back they have to have something in return that's not the case you know you give for a reason and sometimes you have to give in silence you know without telling people what you did and i've done that many a times Um,
0: now how did your behavior start to change you know let's say looking back of when you were in your bankruptcy and going through that versus Uh, I guess, maturing and evolving into the the man that you are now, are there things particularly that started to change with either the way you acted, the way you viewed your business, or the people around you?
1: Good question. You know, when I look at it, I say hardships. You know, hardships gave me uh, direction. Um, There are people, at the time when I was in business, I hung around with some good, some not so good. But I knew the ones that weren't good because the ones that weren't good are the ones who are doing wrong. Um, When I say do wrong, they get on a job and they would cut corners or do things that that I would not be caught doing. Um, And so I knew that I had something in myself that I I knew I had a certain standard. And, And that standard made me stand out, you know, because I knew I wanted it done and done right. And a lot of times there are sacrifices that have to be made. You may lose money on the job, but at least you do the job and do it right. And that's, you know, that's a mentality thing. That's something that just doesn't happen with everybody. And you have to be on that end. You know, you have to be able to understand that, you know, not every job you're gonna do is you're gonna make a profit. Um, and to understand that the, as a person, you know, everybody has their own personality in business. No two people, like I found that out in a mighty hurry. Um, everybody has different strategies, different attitudes, different goals. Um, I would set a goal and it was a year. I would do it in six months. And if someone asked me, can you do this? I wouldn't wait till the next week. I'd do it then and there. If I had the time, it would be the next day. So I built a mentality of you know getting things done. Uh, that was my personality, my mentality. Um, but to, to, I had to push myself. There were times when, you know, when Saturday came around, you just want to sleep in bed and, you know, just get up when you want. And I, I wouldn't, I would get up and I would find things to do. But, you know, to look at when, my, when I look back and where I am today, it's, it's one of those things that you just, today, now, at the moment, looking back, you know, I try not to look back too much, but once in a while when I do, I say, thank God. I made it, and, and you know, when I say I made it, just living, just being happy, um, having a successful business, having a good family, uh, I should say my family first and my business second. Um, I have a beautiful home. I, you know, I don't have to worry about struggling as much as I used to. You know, that, that took a long time, 40 years of my life, of my adult life, and, you know, I don't look back as, you know, Some people might, and I do at times. But when I do look back, I cautiously look back and say, you know, I remember that. And that will change my life for the rest of my life. And I hope that someday, someday, someone sees that in me, more so now than ever. Because you know I'm getting to an age now where I'm looking back and seeing a lot of these kids coming up through the trades and it's just the way they've been taught. Um, I was taught pretty tough in this trade. A lot of them today want a lot of money to do the least amount of work. Um, sometimes it's the other way around. You make the least amount of money, the most amount of work. You know, it's just something where, you know, you're in the right place at the right time.
0: Talking about, you know, the, the most amount of money for the least amount of work from, a, from your trade perspective and from a business perspective, where does that get you in the long run?
1: Well, the least amount of work and the most amount of money, I'm sure everybody like to do that, but that's not the real world. Um, it's hard to find a, you know the one thing I try to find first even if I interview somebody for a job is just how they come across their, their attitude the attitude I you know my dad used to say measure from the neck up <laughs> um, which is what I would do and sometimes you know the person would have a chip on his shoulder during the interview and I'd ask him a question and an honest one. Oh, oh I've done that and then I would ask him another question you could tell he's he just wants the job and get the money and run um it's hard to find a good tradesman today it's just you have to have that passion the, the 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 ability to be able to see things visualize things look at something before it's built um as i shared with you um the last time was a gentleman that uh, come out to florida once a year and his, his daughter financed to have him build an in-law apartment for him and he's a retired lieutenant colonel and he came up and and he saw the work I had done and he came over to me and he put his arm around me and he says you know you're an artist and I says well what do you mean by an artist and he said you create something from nothing and you know I never looked at it that way I never thought you know the artistry is a part of the trade and it's true you either have it or you don't and a lot of times I would be able to visualize something, look at it, and then build it in my head to be able to build it without using a set of plans. And a lot of times that's you know, shooting from the hip. Um, when you're building something, you're looking at it, you're, you're trying to envision what it's gonna look like when it's done. And, it, and sometimes a lot of people can't do that. And I'm very blessed that I have that ability to see something before it's built. Um, but when he said I was an artist, I said, well, that's a cool way to look at it,
0: so. Um, and do you feel like, you know, as time goes on and since that interaction that's reflected more and more in your work or you see it more in your work as, as you've grown?
1: I do. Um, but what I see in myself was as, as, as the way I started out. I started out small and worked up bigger jobs. Um when i did my first big job to me anyways at the time was $10,000 like oh my god that's a you know that's a big job and you know now we're doing them up to half a million plus you know when you see that transition from doing a small job to a large job over a period of years um, you realize that there's a lot of financing involved you have to be very careful as to how things are uh, put out there in other words if you're building a project and you start out with nothing basically, just a a flat piece of ground. You gotta realize there's so many other little things that are gonna go into this and sometimes you forget, you know, there's something you gotta do before you do the next step. So a lot of times when you look at something, you have to not only visualize it, you have to make it work on paper as well as in in physical form. Um, But it's it's one of those things that you have it or you don't and a lot of them unfortunately don't have it. And there are some that are so gifted out there, and I've worked with some very, very, very talented people, and I was blessed to work with those people because I learned, you know, um, these type of things that they could share with me, and uh, they knew I was serious about my trade. And you know, it's nice because when you sit down with somebody that talks about this trade, they're on the same platform as you, and whether they are better or not as good it doesn't matter. They they can talk it and they explain it and it's 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 like a passion, you know, comes out of you. And you feel so like, wow, I'm actually talking to somebody that knows what I'm talking about. You you're speaking the same language. Yeah. And it's nice because you feel like, wow, there's people out there that really understand how business works. And today the business model out there, it, it's, it's not really... It's, it's based on profit, you know, uh, profit and overhead. And it's sad because, yet you need profit. You need overhead. But the thing is, though, some of these companies out there, the bigger companies, they base their whole entire year on profit margins. And it's sad because it takes away, you know, the really the the simplicity of a business you know when you see a business a small business they have to start small that's why they call it a small business you don't start big and say it's a big business very few people start big they have to start small that's what built this country many many millions of small businesses mom-and-pop businesses that are going out of business today that used to be in existence cares a lot about the smaller guy and You know, we stay together. Some of the the area here in Lombardster, uh, there's a group of us, and we do definitely look over each other's back. So,
0: Now, you know, you talked about as you were growing and going from a $10,000 job, which you thought was big at the time, to a $500,000-plus job. And, you know, if you want to gap it even further away is borrowing $600 for a lawyer to file for bankruptcy to a half a million dollar job
1: you know and it's kind of like when you when i talk about it now it's easy to kind of put it into terms but if i knew this back then that if i knew if i started from the bankruptcy and worked my way up i just knew that i didn't want to go down anymore i needed to c- continue to go up and when i would look at larger jobs i'd always say well if i done Three small jobs would equal one big job. Or if I, you know, uh, did five small jobs to equal one job. It wouldn't matter. It's a, it's a cash flow. And, you know, you get confident. You get comfortable because you understand that those are the economics of business. Um, and to respect the monies that, when it comes to you. That, you know, that it's being, you know, uh, used for the things that are made the business stronger. And when I say stronger, when you look at a profit and overhead margin in a business, profit is profit, overhead is overhead. Overhead continues to grow because your business grows. Your profit has to grow because your business is growing. So a lot of these entities have a lot of um, help along the way. So as you're walking up this, you know, the stairs and you go higher and higher, I mean, I can continue to go on into the millions but the thing is where my comfort level is, you know, if I do a million dollar job, I do a million dollar job, but that's as far as I want to go. I don't want to, cause I know my comfort zone. I don't have to, I go home at night, I'm comfortable, I sleep well, I don't wake up in the middle of the night thinking, my God, what happened to this, what happened to that? I can make an honest living and you know, it, it pays my bills and it's humbling to have that, you know. Um, to be able to have the monies just to pay your bills and, and have a little extra to, to do a couple of nice things for, the, for yourself or your family. So, um, but I'm not, you know, the, the money thing in the beginning was scary because I had experience of bankruptcies and I'm like, you know, here we go again. And I'm thinking this time I gotta be much smarter. And um, so it's definitely, it's not about the numbers anymore. It's just about doing the work and I, and I, I love what I do. I love what I do. It's deep in my heart i'm passionate about it i love talking about it i love people it all ties it in you know so well i
0: think honestly that's a perfect place to end it you know i appreciate so much you coming down here and speaking with me this this was really great
1: well i have to say one thing tim when i first met you um i knew right away you'd be great at this and you have a a very good disposition and i'm glad you asked me you know it was a It was a moment's notice thing, and, and, you know, I feel very comfortable with you. And you ask the right questions, you know, and you you make me feel comfortable in the setting here. So that's important, too.
0: Thank you. I feel very grateful to have heard your story.
1: And I'm very grateful to be here as well.
0: Thank you for tuning in with us. We do this to share the stories of some of the incredible individuals in your community. All we ask in return is if you found value from this episode, please share it with someone else who may also gain value from the show. Please feel free to rate or review the show. Your feedback helps us give you more of what you want. Until next time, I'm Tim Lanza, and this was another Local Legacy.